Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Exurgat Deus Dissipentur Inimici Eius. Et fugiancio derunteum afacia eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Archangel, defendenos in proelio. Contra nequitiamit insidias diaboli est opraesidium. Imperetili Deus supplicas deprecamur, duque princeps militae calestis, satra maliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum letrude. Amen. Cor Iesu Sacratissimum miserere nobis, Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Sancta Iosif, ora pro nobis. Sancta Michal Arcangela, defendenos in proelio. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi erimus. Ave Maria Purissima, immaculata conceptio est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I write in obedience to you, my God, who command me to do so through His Excellency, the Bishop of Lieda, and through your Most Holy Mother and mine. After the two parts, which I have already explained, at the left of Our Lady and a little above, we saw an angel with a flaming sword in his left hand. Flashing it gave out flames that looked as though they would set the world on fire. But they died out in contact with the splendor that Our Lady radiated towards him from her right hand. Pointing to the earth with his right hand, the angel cried out in a loud voice, Penance! 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 And we saw an event, an immense light that is God. Excuse me. And we saw in an immense light that is God. Something similar to how people appear in a mirror when they pass in front of it. A bishop dressed in white. We had the impression that it was the Holy Father. Other bishops, priests, men and women religious going up a steep mountain at the top of which there was a big cross, 
of rough-hewn trunks as of a cork tree with the bark. Before reaching there, the Holy Father passed through a big city, half in ruins and half trembling with halting step, afflicted with pain and sorrow. He prayed for the souls of the corpses he met on his way. Having reached the top of the mountain, on his knees at the foot of the big cross, he was killed by a group of soldiers who fired bullets and arrows at him. And in the same way there died one after another, the other bishops, priests, men and women religious, and various lay people of different ranks and positions. Beneath the two arms of the cross there were two angels, each with a crystal aspersorium in his hand, in which they gathered up the blood of the martyrs and with it sprinkled the souls that were making their way to God. Most of you recognize the text of the third secret of Fatima. Most of you are aware that the text of the third secret of Fatima was not accompanied by the explanation that accompanied the other two secrets. And so we have authors who have referred to the unrevealed explanation as the fourth secret of Fatima, and I suppose that to a degree is reasonable. There's been a lot of controversy about the secret of Fatima. Why didn't the church release the real secret? Why did they choose to lie instead in early 2000? Why? Could it have something to do with the idea that the text talks about the resurgence of communism? That these things were to happen when communism rises again? Could it be, as Father Malachi Martin says, that the popes from John the 23rd onward decided to make a prudential judgment because they understood that if they revealed the secret, it would tell the communists in the Soviet Union the exact moves that they needed to make to completely obliterate freedom in the West. I believe that that reading of things is the most charitable reading. Admittedly, it was not the reading that I would have given it, you know, when I first heard about it and first heard about the scandal and a lot of the confusion and such. But there have been a lot of people in the trad world, Kennedy Hall, Mike at RTF, Ryan Grant at Mediatrix Press, John Henry Weston, and so, so many others who understand, who understand totally and are seemingly actually now taking time out And it's interesting to see because many of them aren't taking the time out with the intent of um, 
going after Sedevacantism specifically, but that is the effect that they're having. By and large, one of the major Sedevacantist views, and it's not to say that there aren't many, because in truth, there are, but one of the major set of views is that the sea has been vacant since the, since the death of Pope Pius Twelfth. And the counter-argument that's been made is that John XXIII was not worse than Pius Twelfth, And even Paul VI, though he was the Holy Father at the time when a great many things were done to defenestrate the faith, he himself was not nearly as modernist or as a fan of innovation as, say, Pope, Pope Pius XII. And it's not to say that Pope Pius XII was a bad pope. Anyone who's read about him, anybody who's actually studied his pontificate, anybody who's actually stopped and taken a moment to get away from the American propaganda, from the NATO propaganda, and actually look at the things that were going on in the church, most of these men were in difficult situations that I would actually say their naivete actually led them into, and then once there, led them down the wrong path. To be sure, there were men obviously in the Curia who had fell intentions. Obviously. You don't get the debacle that is everything that came in the aftermath of the Second Vatican Council without people actually conspiring. You don't get the debacle of the Second Vatican Council and the development of the new liturgy without Freemasons and without Protestants and without KGB spies. And when you look into the history, when you look into the things that actually happened, all of these things were aplenty during the time frame. But the question that nobody seems to ask is why would say someone like John Paul II decide to decide to have such a tremendous devotion to Our Lady and yet disobey her? Was it a show? Was he not really devoted to Our Lady? Was he just playing? Or was there something else? This last week, and one of the reasons why I haven't recorded another podcast, is because I've been trying to noodle out all of these things that seem to conflict. They seem to contradict. They seem to oppose one another, particularly in the life of the church, but also in the world at large. Anything that contradicts or seemingly contradicts is typically obfuscation 
for an absolutely true paradox. For two seemingly opposing things that are absolutely true. When you're looking at reality, if these things seem to contradict, either one actually does contradict the other, or it doesn't. And if they don't contradict, particularly in outcomes and in practice, then the fact is, is that we're not talking about a contradiction. We're not talking about hypocrisy in the human person. We're talking about some real events that need to be quantified. They need to be qualified and they need to be solved down to at a minimum, their lowest common denominator so that the truth can be revealed. Pope John Paul II of Holy Memory was devoted to Our Lady of Fatima. He was devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And this shows, because it was actually a miraculous medal that saved his life when someone tried to assassinate him. Again. which means that the feeling was mutual, as the saying goes. He was devoted to Our Lady, and Our Lady had her mantle of protection upon him. So the idea that he would be a hypocrite must be set aside. The idea that it was all a farce must be set aside. So we are left with the question, why would the Holy Father disobey the Blessed Mother. It can only be political. Not in the vapid sense that we talk about today. You know, we talk about things that are political today and we have no sense of the real meaning, particularly when you're talking about someone someone at the level as a head of state, as the leader of Christ's church on earth. We're not talking about making political points. We're not talking about, you know, political persecutions. We're talking about looking at the scene and genuinely seeing something that, that seems to present genuine, genuine danger. Let's put this in perspective. Francis signs an agreement with the Chinese Communist Party. And the Catholic Church in China now is forced deeper underground as fake bishops appointed by the Chinese Communist Party now rule the Catholic Church in China. Now, truly, we're not talking about it really being the Catholic Church. They're not using sacred scripture. They're not teaching the sacred traditions. And they certainly are not teaching from the Holy Magisterium. Except visibly on the surface at a temporal level, they're running the show. And true devotees to our Lord, true followers of the Blessed Mother, true Christians are being butchered, imprisoned, and erased. 
Is that the outcome that John Paul II saw? Because do remember that John Paul II of holy memory, while he was still Cardinal Wotilia, himself defied the Holy See to ordain and consecrate priests and bishops in the Soviet Union. Cardinal Wotilia would certainly have understood the supreme law of the church and that even the Holy Father could not give a command defiant to that law. But if he saw the obvious ease with which the communists could have taken advantage of some nugget of information in that vision, some explanation thereof, would he have hidden it? I suspect that the answer is yes. Because from the people who were there when he attempted to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, to the people who were there, they have testified that he was hamstrung, that he was not permitted, that the Holy Father, despite being the Vicar of Christ himself, the Roman Pontiff, Pontifex Maximus, was restrained for political reasons. What were those political reasons? The United States of America, as much of a defender of the West as they are, they've never been a friend to the Roman Catholic Church. They've never been a friend to Catholicism. They've, tip, they've actually never been a friend even to orthodoxy, as it's understood in the Eastern Church. They've not been a friend to the churches that actually have valid orders. They have not been a friend to the church that was founded by Christ. So the question comes out, would the Soviet Union attack Rome? Would they raid embassies, slaughter bishops and priests? Is it perhaps true that the KGB knew exactly who the Catholic priests were in the Soviet Union, within the borders of the Soviet Union? It seems to be the case, because as soon as one of them got uppity enough to be visible, they would be disappeared. So perhaps the KGB, going the way of Goering, I think it was Goering, I don't remember, honestly. But it is distinctively possible that they had all of the resources to know exactly who each and every priest were, was, within their borders. It is distinctively possible that they could have choked out the light of faith even in its struggling underground sense. Would they have launched a nuclear war? Probably not. Certainly not over the consecration. 
but there could have been blood in the streets. And Rome itself was even known to have operatives in and around the Vatican. They could have maybe disappeared a few people here and there. It is, in all honesty, it's impossible to say for sure what it was that was going on through the Pope's mind. But it is unreasonable to think that he would defy Our Lady on purpose without something that was coercing him. And you could say, well, he should have been stronger. Okay, well, yeah, whatever. You could say that he should have called for a crusade or for, or for Christians to willingly give themselves up as martyrs or something. I mean, you pick, pick whatever extraordinary act that you think he should have called for. And then understand that that would, in fact, to a degree, be tantamount to murder. It is distinctively possible that he would not have been up to the task without his conscience continually accusing him, continually placing the blood of all of those martyrs upon his own head. Because he could have chosen another way to go. But there are a few things. The explanation would have been obviously true after 1960. This, this much seems to be everybody. The explanation of this secret, of this vision, would have been irrefutably true. Taken from today, not in, a, not in a temporal sense, but in a spiritual sense, I believe that much of this has already actually come to pass. This may also come out temporally, but I believe much of this has already come out to pass. After the two parts which I have already explained, at the left of Our Lady and a little above we saw an angel with a flaming sword in his left hand flashing. It gave out flames that look as, looked as though they would set the world on fire. But they died out in contact with the splendor that Our Lady radiated towards him from her right hand, pointing to the earth. Hang on, let's back up. It is very clear in this particular case that the flames that were shooting out of the sword, threatening to set the world on fire, would have been the wrath of God. So clearly we are not talking about a physical angel hovering up in the sky with his flaming sword. The flames die out in contact with the splendor that Our Lady radiated towards him from her right hand. Again, clearly spiritual. Pointing to the earth with his right hand, the angel cried out in a loud voice, Penance, penance, penance. Many of us probably see that particular sentence in this sense. He's pointing out in a, in, and crying out in a loud voice, penance, penance, penance. This is not a request. This is a demand. It's a threat. 
do no penance in this flame and these flames will touch the earth because she cannot hold them back forever because eventually justice demands that she stops. He could also be saying that the grace that is radiating from her hands is in fact the effect of penance. And if that is in fact the case, if he's crying out in a loud voice, pointing out that the grace radiating from Our Lady, the splendor that's coming from her right hand, is in fact the penance of the saints, then it is also still a warning that if we fail to do penance, the grace will no longer flow. Because it is the penance that provides that splendor to extinguish the flames. Two sides of the same coin, in all honesty. And we saw in an immense light that is God, something similar to how, the people, how people appear in a mirror when they pass in front of it. Now, keeping in mind that mirrors were not as clear as they are today. Everywhere, anyway. So, through a mirror, darkly, is a common term, particularly prior to the mid-20th century, when the mass production of very clear mirrors seemed to be mastered. Something similar, we saw in an immense light that is God, a bishop dressed in white, we had the impression that it was the Holy Father. Through a glass darkly, they saw a bishop dressed in white, whom they had the impression was the Holy Father. Other bishops, priests, men and women religious going up a steep mountain, at the top of which there was a big cross of rough-hewn trunks, as of a cork tree with the bark. Before reaching there, the Holy Father passed through a big city, half in ruins, half-trembling, with halting step. Let's back up. Other bishops, priests, men and women religious going up a steep mountain at the top of which there is a big cross of rough-hewn trunks as of a cork tree with the bark. The symbolism there is a little obvious. Again, still spiritual, they are struggling to climb the mountain to the cross, which is the gateway to heaven. Before reaching there, the Holy Father passed through a big city, half in ruins and half trembling with halting step. There are two cities written about in Catholic tradition. There's the city of God and the city of man. In all honesty, at this point, knowing what we're looking at, we're looking through the mirror, or we're looking into a mirror, in an immense light that is God, so this is clearly the city of heaven. Or at least, the city of heaven as it would be represented on earth, half in ruins. And the Holy Father is walking through this ruined city, afflicted with pain and sorrow, praying for the souls of the corpses he met on his way. Having reached the top of the mountain on his knees at the foot of the big cross, 
He was killed by a group of soldiers who fired bullets and arrows at him. <clears throat> there is a way to look at this from a symbolic standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint. Yes, truly, temporally, bullets and arrows, okay, yes, deadly. Soldiers, yes, deadly, got it. But if you're in a half-ruined city, and this is a spiritual message, so we're talking about a spiritual city, it's half in ruins. Why? Because it's been raided by hell. It's half in ruins because the soldiers have stormed through this stormed through the streets and destroyed as much as they could find. And the soldiers in this case would be the soldiers of darkness. They would be warriors for the devil. And bullets and arrows in this particular case, I would refer you back to Ephesians 6. The Holy Father's on the knee on his knees at the foot of a big cross, and he's killed by a group of soldiers who fired bullets and arrows at him. There's a word for, for bullets and arrows, and that would be fiery darts. Particularly if you're using the Ephesians 6 <clears throat> framework. In the Ephesians 6 framework, the Holy Father is without his greatest piece of armor, the shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith with which to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. What are those fiery darts? Those are temptations. Those are heresies. Those are transgressions. To take, up, to, <clears throat> to take up the shield of faith and defend yourself against the temptation that would mortally wound your soul. And in the same way, there died one after another, the other bishops, priests, men and women religious, and various lay people of different ranks and positions. All of these, in the same way, died from bullets and arrows, from fiery darts, from the soldiers of the enemy. This was not a great battle where they were resisting. They were led up the steep mountain to the slaughter. But not a martyrdom. It's the one thing that I never got the impression of when I was reading, when, I, when I've read and listened to The Secret, when I've read and listened to it. Now, most interpretations see the Pope being killed at the foot of the cross as a martyr. But you cannot be martyred to sin. Falling to sin is not a martyrdom, but it is a slaughter nonetheless. 
Why is this the interpretation that I'm taking? Because this would be the most horrifying interpretation. This is the sort of interpretation that Sister Lucia would have a problem putting pen to paper for. To see the, to see the Holy Father martyred, do you, seriously? Oh, he's martyred by soldiers, he's killed by foreign troops. Is that really that horrific? Are you going to say that the deaths of Peter, Linus, Cletus, are you going to say that those deaths, those martyrs' deaths, were anything less than glorious? Because if you do, dear family, <clears throat> brother and sister, that's not how God sees things. Martyrs are holy. Martyrs are sainted. Martyrs are his friends. So what about the Holy Father being martyred in the eyes of God would be terrifying. Conversely, to be slaughtered by the enemies, by the enemy, slain by fiery darts, without the shield of faith, Now that would be a horror for the Pope, for bishops and priests and religious brothers and sisters to be slaughtered because they lacked the shield of faith. That would be a horror. That would be the sort of thing that Sister Lucia could not put pen to paper for. That would be the sort of thing that she wouldn't be able to write down. The idea that people would bother donning cassock and habit and not taking up the shield of faith, not taking up the helm of salvation, not taking the breastplate of justice, not taking, girding themselves with a the belt of truth, not having donned the shoes of preparation that comes from the gospel of peace. Shoes of preparation, those are. Why would you don religious garb without donning the accoutrements that save your soul, that could be used by God in the defense of the faith around the world? Instead, you would be slaughtered by la like lambs. No, that's not right. You would be slaughtered like pigs. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And all of these people on this list, the Holy Father, bishops, priests, men and women religious, various lay people of different ranks and position, all slaughtered, not like lambs, like pigs. Nothing pure and clean about them because they have no faith and they have not the armor of God that would make them a formidable army. So the explanation, <laughs> the explanation not being revealed, the explanation of this vision not being revealed, the thing that communists could use The Holy Father is just a bishop dressed in white because he has no faith. But it's not just him who has no faith. Bishops, priests, men and women, religious, lay people, all of whom claim to be Catholic, they have no faith. That means they can be tormented. That means they can be scared. I mean, correction. That means they can be frightened. They can be frightened into making mistakes. They can be frightened into making self-destructive mistakes. And not just any sort of mistakes, the sort of mistakes that could pick apart all of Christendom, all of Western civilization, everything. They could be destroyed, and the whole world could fall to communism. To the spiritual death. 
And if all of these people were killed with the bullets and arrows in the same way there, they died. Yes, there would still be two arms of the cross or beneath the two arms of the cross, there would be still two angels with a crystal aspersorium to gather up the blood of the martyrs. But very likely it would not be a bishop, priest, nun, monk, or pope. And that faithful remnant would give up their lives so that their blood could be used to sprinkle the souls that are making their way to God. The key thing to understand with this, because we have, in line with this, we have Akita, you have La Salette, you have Garabandal, you have all of these other prophecies, all of these other, all of, all of them. And the one thing that they protect, the one thing that the, the one thing that the bishops and the people who follow these things try to downplay as much as possible is the fact that, is the fact that Rome, temporal Rome, which is still physically the seat of Christ on earth, has lost the faith. They have no capacity to gird themselves up like man and stand in the light of judgment. In fact, they will be scattered. If men do not repent and better themselves, the Father will inflict a terrible punishment on all humanity. And the worst possible punishment would be the total failure of the temporal Roman Church. The greatest chastisement upon all of humanity would be the loss of holy priests and bishops who can stand for the faith. It would be loss of the vicar of Christ because he decided to be a sellsword. The messages of Akita and Fatima are largely the same. And that's true. But it's not but they're not the only ones. You still have the message of Our Lady of Revelation. The one whose story carried from the nineteen from the nineteen twenties all the way into the nineteen nineties. As Our Lady wove together the lives of Bruno Cornicola and Pope Pius the Twelfth. and many others, which would include a second, third, fourth miracle of the sun, 
And in point of fact, since 1917, there have been five miracles of the sun. Three of them in Rome, 1982, 85, and 86. Actually, it might have been six, because if I remember correctly, it's 82, 84, 85, 86. And then in 2017, or excuse me, 2016, at Orem. Reminders of the message. Repent. Do penance. Do penance. Do penance. Get your holy soul under the mantle of Our Lady, under her protection. Because judgment is coming. It's coming quickly. And when you integrate that with the prophecy of Garabandal, which I'm just now beginning to learn something about, because I've heard about it, but it's from Garabandal that we get the actual specifics of the resurgence of communism and when the Pope goes to Moscow. Resurgence of communism and the Pope going to Moscow. And then a warning, which seems to tie in with, with Marie-Julie Jehenny's Three Days of Darkness. And all of these things interweave together and they look to be the same message from different angles. But they're all tied to do penance and make reparation. Get your holy soul under the protection of Our Lady. Because the bishop dressed in white, whom we all have the impression is the Holy Father, He has come out and said he's going to Moscow. When? We don't know. But we know that at some point in the near future, he's going to Moscow. And that is the trigger for something worse. Do we know exactly what it is? No. Are we woeful under woefully under-equipped and under-prepared. Yes. Do you want that to still be the case? Do you want that for your children? Or do you, like the heathens, kind of understand that there is a hell, but you don't really believe that it's going to happen? You don't really believe that you're going to go there? You don't really, be, like, do you really believe that anybody goes there? We can, and look, we all talk a good game. In the trad Catholic world, we all talk a good game. I talk a great game. But my number one worry is that I don't take it nearly seriously enough. That as much as I talk about it, as much as I, I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it, I wake up in the morning thinking about it, I go to bed before, I, it's one of the last thoughts I have before I go to bed, I still wonder if I don't act like it's not real. And perhaps I don't.
But we need to all be asking ourselves the same question. Do we have faith that it's real? Not do we believe, okay? I believe many, many things that, I, that don't require any faith. I've said many times, faith is an act of the intellect and the will. And so faith is a brand of trust. <clears throat> Let me explain. As a paratrooper, I had faith in my equipment because I had tested it. I'd been trained with it. I would do this, I would do the crazy thing of stepping off an airplane and my parachute would open. And it wasn't particularly comfortable, but it wasn't particularly deadly. It put me in direct contact with my mortality every single time. Because while I had faith that it would open, the fact is, I was not guaranteed that it would open. There is a thing called a parachute malfunction. And sometimes it's a, it's a corroded and deteriorated static line that causes the parachute to not open at all. And sometimes it's a little bit too much friction during the packing of the chute that causes parts of the cloth to fuse to each other. That causes the parachute itself, when it's supposed to open up, to not catch the air and open up the way it's supposed to. And sometimes, it's I didn't hand the static line off properly, and it reaches out and wraps around my neck and pops my head off like a top. Yes, that's a thing. Or maybe I follow too closely to the guy in front of me, and when I step out of the airplane, my arm is still wrapped in his static line, which I wouldn't notice anyway because of the stress of the situation, and I have my muscles torn from their joints and pushed down into my hands. Bicep and tricep detached from their proper location and pushed down into my hands like a chubby glove. Or, as was often the case, we step out to, to find out that the wind was way faster than ten knots. And perhaps when I'm coming in for a landing, my equipment gets tangled around an artillery barrel, and I end up landing on my skull, as happened to one unfortunate soul on a jump I was on. And yet, I still stepped out the door. Because all of those crazy things happened less often than car accidents, by far. In fact, they were actually on the level with lightning strikes of a person actually being struck by lightning. But there were possibilities, and they were out there. Be the second time that I would be introduced to the idea that the Archangel St. Michael 
would being would be keeping you know a little bit of an extra eye on my ridiculously heinously degenerate and reprobate sinful behind Even so, with all of that, do it enough and you get to have faith. In the same way that I have faith that my parachute will open, the same way that I have faith that my M40 protective mask would protect me from nuclear, biolo well, mostly biological and chemical agents, but to a degree, nuclear agents, the agents themselves, not the radiation. The radiation's different. But in the same way that I had faith that that mask would protect me from inhaling anything that was going to kill me, in that same way, I have faith that hell is real. There's a part of me that envies the people who were always in the faith. Because people who were always in the faith who never walked away, like legitimately holy people, there's the appearance of something like a childish naivete, but there's an innocence a cleanness to their soul. It's a cleanness to their approach. There's also a part of me that understands that those people who have never seen truly heinous things, and I, when I say truly heinous things, I mean things that are visibly, physically, to the five senses, heinous. The fact is, is that the saints have seen plenty of heinous things. They were simply not the things that you see with your five senses. It's not something you see with your eyes or smell with your nose or touch with your hands. Although it may still be something that you, it may still be something that you can see in here, but it's certainly not going to be within the normal 10% visual spectrum. It's certainly not going to be what you would normally hear. But the people who have never walked the path of a reprobate, who have never actually experienced the total devastation that that life brings, oftentimes they lack the vocabulary to communicate the admonitions properly. Also, we, <clears throat> as humans, we are actually truly kind of crappy because we like to validate people's lived experience. I hate that phrase. They like, <clears throat> we like to validate the experience over the education. We truly do like to learn things the hard way. Like we do it, and we do it on purpose, and it's really kind of stupid.
my mother justified not teaching me the faith in its fullness because she wanted me to be able to make up my own mind. Now, that's not the real reason. The real reason is that she was rebelling against the faith. She was of that generation that saw things and bought into the lie and rebelled against the faith. Because she got her little hand slapped by the nuns or whatever. Because she wanted to live her own life. Because she wanted to serve no one. Because she wanted it all. Not going to get into gory details, but that is the overall synopsis. And so because of that, I actually had to walk the hard road. And I don't think she understood the road that she signed me up for. I really don't think she really comprehended what she was signing me up for. Direct battle against demons. Blindness to their actual existence or their nature. Or any kind of understanding about them. Obsession and oppression galore. Glory to God in the highest that I never actually had to go through the whole possession thing. Although, admittedly, probably would be better. I'd probably be better off had I, been, had I actually gone that path. Because in order to get out of that, you really got to fight. Perhaps I'd be a better warrior. <clears throat> but I went through some dirt and some muck. And I fought a whole lot of battles that I could have just gone past. And I say fought. Fought is a lie. I was slaughtered time and again. I was beaten back. Broken. Bowed. Betrayed. Time and again. It's like, oh, I fought many battles. No. You get to say you fought many battles when you got when you can also say that you actually won some. Which I cannot. At least not for a goodly portion of my life. And granted, if I make it to final, final penitence, then I won the battle that matters. At least the most, the, like the one that matters the most. It'd be nice... I can get there with a little bit of extra cred. A little bit of extra credit, you know. Some additional grace. I can tell you that it would have been nice to have been properly trained. To have been properly taught. It would have been nice not to have my entire inheritance obfuscated and occluded from my sight. It would have been nice to have actually been taught the truth. 
which many of us actually experience. It's one of the reasons why there is such a vast online traditional Catholic movement. Why we're all basically two or three degrees separated from each other. Why I've had the opportunity to talk with Mike from Restoring the Faith. Why why I can watch and see the people who I consider friends interact with each other across the blogosphere. I still prefer prefer the word blogosphere. I know none of us really do blogs anymore. But it's the reason why there's such demand for the content. Because many of us walk that path without any training, without any proper instruction, without any education in what it was that we were actually going into. And we got our asses kicked. Particularly Generation X. Generation X above and beyond because (laughs) the boomers were given the faith. It was, in fact, passed down. Crappily, but passed down to them. And they threw it away. And they went the other way. And for a few, you know, like Michael Matt at at The Remnant and a few other people, like they were able to, excuse me, they were able to carry on and carry it forward. They're the ones who we're getting the faith from today. But for the most part, the boomer generation were handed it, they were instructed it, and they refused to take it in for whatever reason. Admittedly, many of them would have been just as blinded as we were. But because they were blinded to it, and they didn't understand it, and they didn't understand the value of that pearl of such a great price, they did not hand it on. And more than any other generation, it's actually the Xers who are resentful. The millennials kind of understand, they kind of know, they look, the ones who are finding the faith, the ones who are finding the faith are looking, I mean, there is still that sense of betrayal. (laughs) And X, Generation X does share in the blame. But the Gen Xers, who were never handed the faith, and to be sure, don't be, I'm not putting all the blame on the boomers. Their parents screwed them too, okay? The parents who fought in the Second World War and decided that suffering was not going to be a thing that they were going to do anymore, decided in that moment that they were rejecting the Catholic faith. Whether they knew it or not, they decided in that moment they were rejecting the Catholic faith. We'll not suffer, we're not going to have our children suffer, and we're, it's not going to be us. It was the so-called greatest generation that taught their children that we do not bind ourselves to the cross, we, we rise above the cross. As if that were possible. That was the fruit of the Second World War, which led to the fruit of the Second Vatican Council. The, we don't need to suffer. We can be all, join hands together and sing Kumbaya. We can be a listening, dialoguing, accompanying church. And same ridiculous garbage they're spewing today. 
All of it flies in the face of the idea that we had a God who allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. Why? For us. And that for us to be saved, we have to unite ourselves to that sacrifice. So it is not just him who gets crucified, it is us that gets crucified. And in that crucifixion, getting there, there's agony, there's beatings, there's crowning with thorns, there's suffering. There's being stripped naked and nailed to a tree. Why? Because he did it and we're not better than him. He's our king. We must follow him. You want to make it to the kingdom, you must follow the king. It's that simple. And in the aftermath of the Second World War and the Second Vatican Council, they decided that's not true anymore. And so they obfuscated and they obscured and they occluded everything. And they're trying to do it again. But if there was a thing that was going to save Generation X, it is the fact that we had September 11th. That we had something to call us to want to go endure suffering. Problem. Because we didn't know what for. And that's why suicide rates among veterans are so high. That's why the statistic they bandy about is 22 every single day. Or one every hour and five minutes. I want you to think about that. By the time I wrap up this podcast, two, two veterans will have committed suicide. Two of my comrades in arms will have committed suicide. Two. Because they, like me, were not prepared to find out that they were fighting for nothing. They were not prepared to find out that they weren't fighting for the homeland. They weren't prepared to find out that they weren't actually find, fighting for the protection of the people or the upholding of the Constitution or any of that high-speed, happy, fluffy, duffy horse crap. By the time this podcast wraps up, two people will have taken their own lives because they went to war, because they tried to climb the steep mountain, and they had no faith. And so they were slaughtered well before they pick up the gun and put it to their temple, well before they pick up the pill and they put it in their mouth, well before they tie the belt to the coat rod, they were already dead, slaughtered by the slings and arrows of the enemy, not the Taliban, not Al-Qaeda, not ISIS, but Satan.
Satan, who convinced their parents to tell them non serviam, to teach them non serviam. You want to see the message of Fatima come to pass? You look at it from a spiritual perspective and you realize how many people on earth, from laymen to the Bishop of Rome and the Vicar of Christ himself, how many people have declared in full-throated voice by their actions and deeds, non serviam. And you will find that it's very many indeed. And the physical manifestation of that chastisement that has now been in place for more than t for almost ten years, but eking its way slowly, even through even through sainted John Paul II and Pope Benedict and all the others, slowly eking its way through, deciding to choose the temporal over the spiritual. If there was actually a sin of John Paul II, and, I, and to be sure, I don't think it's a mortal sin. I think it would have been a venial sin. If there was actually a sin of John Paul II, it would be, and Paul VI, and John XXIII, it would be the fact that they decided that they were doing a thing, and they thought they knew better than God. They could have opened up the Second Vatican Council. John the Twenty-Third could have opened up the Second Vatican Council and dealt a death blow to the devil. And all of the other things that come to pass, all of the martyrdom and all of that other stuff, if he would have disregarded the tanks and the bombs and the guns and would have instead looked at the demons, he could have struck a blow if it had opened the Second Vatican Council with the consecration of Russia to Our Lady's Immaculate Heart. Likewise, John Paul II, Paul VI, any of them, could have pulled the trigger on the devil. And yes, would there have been ripples? Would there have been geopolitical strife? Would there have been all? Yes! But Our Lady's Immaculate Heart would have triumphed right off the jump. It would have been much quicker. And it's possible, had they done that, devotion to Our Lady of America would have actually picked up. And America might have been the most chaste nation on earth. an exemplar in the virtue of holy purity. And you got to admit, when you look across at social media and you get all the, the gender theory, critical race theory garbage, all that nonsense, the radical feminism garbage, the trans movement, that whole rainbow pride crap, would it not have been better put an end to that crap before it starts? Do we get to avoid it? No. Can we mitigate it? Yes. But for that, you need to get your holy soul under the protection of Our Lady's mantle. For that, 
You need to enroll in the brown scapular. You need to do the things that Our Lady has asked us to do. And you need to do, and you need to do it like you actually believe it's going to work. Like you actually believe that there is a hell. And like you actually believe it's important to keep you and your wife and your children out of hell. Much to do and time is short. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.